Hi everyone, this is LOA Uncorked with Gina and Holly. We intend to have some fun around Law of Attraction principles. Let's discover and unleash the magic that exists inside ourselves. Tune in as we go on the hero's journey together to uplevel our lives with no bullshit, all truth, and nothing but fun. Grab a glass and join our virtual VIP conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to LOA Uncorked. This is Holly. And this is Gina. Hi, Gina. Hi, Holly. Holly. Oh, we've got a special guest today. Yes, we do. Okay, listen. I love this woman. I know you do. I idolize this woman. I know you do. I've heard about this woman for... (laughs) Years? The 17 years I've known you, 16 years I've known you. Yes. We were supposed to be in LA, but Flash, uh, it's still COVID. Okay. And so she's being safe. We're being safe. And I actually think she just didn't want you to come because she's afraid. (laughs) She's afraid she'll never be able to ditch you. I know. That's so true, right? Yes, it's so true. So we're getting to see her on Zoom. And we have Gold Reese. We're going to call her Gold. Mm hmm. And she is an expert. Yes. And she's going to talk to us. Her expertise in, is in veganism and vegan fashion, cruelty-free. We're going to talk about fashion, makeup. We're going to talk about how she came to be this person. I've known her for a long time. We have some family relations together. And she's an outstanding woman yeah. and somebody I have always been inspired by. So welcome, Gold Rees, to the podcast. Hey, ladies. Thank Hi, you Gold. so much. What a sweet introduction. It's so, so nice to be here. And it's nice to be a little ways away from her too, right? When that happens. <laughs> I don't think she's scared she, of me. No, she looks no. safe. Because she, no. she's safe. She, she feels knows. safe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm for Holly. I'm sad that she's not here. I'm I'm sad that I'm not meeting you guys in person right now, but we're going to do it. Yeah. We'll do it again sometime for sure. Yeah. But we're super excited to hear what you have to say today. And we've caught her like it's what, 1030 at night. Yeah. She's worked a, a long day. She's sitting in her car and but still looking phenomenal. I'm, I'm just going to say, I wish right. I looked like that in my car. <laughs> I know. It's not happening. And so she's, she's not even home yet <laughs> and is doing the podcast. So we have big props for her yeah, and for sure. she has a lot to share. So Gosh, I mean, maybe you can start a little bit about how you came into um, being, you know, living the vegan lifestyle and how did that evolve for you? Well, I mean, truthfully, it happened with my dog. (laughs) I know, Lulu. Okay, let's say shout out to Lulu. Yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer to say that it, it happened because of my sister who's been vegan for so many years. She's been vegan now for basically two decades, but actually I really clicked when my dog got sick and she was only one and I took her to the vet and they wanted to do emergency surgery on her. And then Mm. I took her to another specialist and they said the same thing. And they said that I may lose her even after the surgery. And I figured that 
for a one-year-old puppy that that doesn't make any sense. So I kind of did my own research and I changed her diet and I basically fed her a vegan diet. And the next time I took her to the vet, the blood work came out completely perfect. And she was rid of her problem that she had, which they wanted to do surgery. It was just some... That's crazy. That is. Some really bizarre thing that they told me that she has. And they said it's due to like protein. And Mm -hmm. I just was so sad that I'm going to be possibly losing my puppy. So feeding her a vegan diet and I started doing this research. And of course, at that time, my sister had told me to watch this really terrific documentary, Cowspiracy, which I did watch. And I actually later on got to meet the producer of Cowspiracy, which was really fantastic. But he's the one that also made the movie What the Health. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, once I watched that, I got hooked to all of these amazing documentaries and information that I found on the web. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized that I can no longer, you know, support these industries that basically we all grow up hearing is, you know, it's good for us. And we don't know really what's going on behind these metal slaughterhouses and, you know, these factories, these factory farms that have basically holding these innocent animals prisoner and we're eating all this stress and, and sadness and, Mm. and hormones and antibiotics that they're given to keep Mm -hmm. them alive. Right. And, you know, using their skin and, and, you know, for, for handbags and shoes and killing their babies because they're basically byproducts. Like for example, in the dairy industry that in the, you know, dairy farms that they can't use the, the males, when the male calf is born, they have to use them for veal or they, they basically just slaughter them for leather. Mm. So you have calf skin basically, Mm. and they keep the, the girl babies they raise them to make them dairy cows and, and you only get dairy when, when they're pregnant. So that's why they keep breeding them and, and keeping the females pregnant constantly. So, um, I mean, I, I don't really want to get into the food part, but when I started researching the food, that's when I got into more vegan fashion, because at the time I was already, you know, heavy into my boutique, getting sustainable clothing for my boutique. And, and Holly knows I've always been in a little bit of a stickler about things, where they're made, how they're made. And mostly was um, supporting made in the USA. I had a boutique in Brentwood for five years. And so basically if I, if I bought a garment, I I wanted to know where the designers manufacturing items, that was important to me. And, you know, the veganism kind of fell into that besides it being sustainable. I really needed to know that they're not using leather. They're not using wool. They're not using silk. And if they are, those are not the items I'm buying from that company. And, Mm -hmm. you know, mainly I didn't buy anything that was made in China because that's (laughs) Holy, how long? I remember. Oh my gosh. We would go out shopping. So Goalie lives in LA, just if people in Brentwood uh, in the LA area and we'd go shopping and Goalie would be like, 
I'd go, oh, this is so cute. She'd be like, yeah, yeah. And then we'd have to look at the tape. Oh, shit, it's made in China. <laughs> and so this went on This went on for years. Yeah. But, and I wasn't sure why we were not buying anything from China. <laughs> but, 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 but you like, knew it was not acceptable. I knew it wasn't acceptable. Yes, so uh-huh. if Goalie doesn't do it, I don't do it either. Okay, so yes, that had been going on for years, even before. I mean, you really started before your boutique because you've been, I mean, honestly, yeah. so Goalie does the red carpet. Yeah. She's yeah. in LA. Um, she goes to, you know, all the fancy pantsy yeah. stuff, you know, and has been for years and also has a boutique and has dress stars mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, you're a and pinnacle in my fashion. I've definitely done my share of, yeah. mm-hmm. of celebrity styling, but, but really, I mean, I've been a fashion girl probably most of my life. Yeah, I mean, probably sure. knows I've always been into fashion, but Nowadays, like I look at fashion in such a different way than I used to look at it, even though, gosh, I can look back now. It's been a good 30 years now, almost 30 years that I've been working in fashion. So, yeah, because when I started working, I started working basically at the department stores and it, I naturally went into working for different brands and things. And at one point I was working at the designer department in Nordstrom called yeah. Collectors, which I don't mm-hmm. think Collectors any, it's not, it's a different name now. Now they yeah. have the designers there, but in Collectors, there was one year that I was working there. I think it was back in 1999 or 1998 or something, somewhere around there. And I remember reading about how China child labor is like such a huge industry and all of these American designers are taking their factories from us and taking them to China and because they're paying cheap labor. And that one season that I specifically remember that I got turned off to the fashion business in, in, you know, such a drastic way. I mean, I'm not saying completely turned off by it, but like I looked at it in a very different way was when I noticed that Donna Karen, the signature collection and the gold collection, the gold tag collection was like, let's say a, a dress or, or, or top would be at like around thousand mm-hmm. dollars and it's made in Italy. And the next season, the same similar item comes in and it's, it's, it's around the same price. It's like a thousand dollars or $1,200, but it's made in China. So it costs the company pennies to make, but it's, it's probably a child sitting there making it. And, and I know that they, they said that, you know, their factories don't, but they're not there to monitor them. And I know right. that China right. needs those factories to keep going. So, and they are manufacturing a whole lot of items over the past, like several decades for us, but more so in the past three decades. Right. So with their one child rule, that is really the reason that a lot of children ended up in those factories making clothes for, um, you know, mostly Americans. Mm-hmm. So um, when the fashion industry, basically all of the big um, names like Ralph Lauren, Donna Karen, Tommy Hilfiger, Nike, all of these companies moved their factories to China. I really got turned off by that because they're calling themselves American companies, but they're taking away American jobs. So that was one of my first like kind of activism passions, I would say. I would tell yes. my no, you can't buy that. It's made in China. Okay, you can buy that. It's made in Brazil. It's made in, you know, Spain. <laughs> Spain and Brazil are, are different. Like, you can't buy that. So 
I would be really not that fun to shop with because I, <laughs> I still thought she was fun. I was going to say, you I never complained. So yeah, I never, you never complained. complained. No, never. I mean, I was like, never. oh, shoot, we'll find something else. Okay. We <laughs> yeah, always did. Like, we could always like, find was something like, else. Holly, we really love those, but they're made in China. We're just going to have to pass on those. <laughs> <laughs> See how delightful she is when she turns you down? That's know, why you like smiles. her. And she I smiled. I she saw does. Yes. So tell us, like, so how did, when that, you said that your whole view of the fashion industry changed. How did you go to work on understanding that and and translating that? I know you had your shop. How aware were your customers? How open were they to your thought process and and really changing the way they buy? Well, I'm really glad you asked me that because actually, I got to say, it's when I opened the boutique, it was six years ago and I had it for five years. When we first opened the boutique in Brentwood, you would think that that neighborhood understands forward thinking and they do for, for the most part, Mm -hmm. they're out. It's an affluent neighborhood and they Mm -hmm. do understand the dangers of fast fashion. So I, I, I had really beautiful contemporary sort of on the high side of designers, but not like top designers where, where it would be thousands of dollars, but more on the price range of, you know, between like, 150 to like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm, so, you know, you could come into my boutique and, and you could look really, really amazing, but you are supporting these designers that were to me acceptable because I did my homework there. You know, I checked where I'm buying them from, you know, how did they make the garments? Yeah. Where they made the garment. Yeah. Yeah, I cared about Mm -hmm. all of those things. So I did the homework and I thought that people would really appreciate that. And, and a lot of people did appreciate it, but some people really didn't. So Mm. I think it was the worst timing for me to open that boutique because that's the time when people were starting to really love shopping online. Yeah, And I really wanted to give the customers that feeling of having a personal stylist at their feet, basically, and styling them in ethical clothing. And I think it was still a little bit ahead of its time. I think now after COVID, people are going to start caring more about the same. Yeah. I think it's going to go to now that being buying locals, what I've heard and having somebody like you to style them. And so you don't have to think about it. You just know you've got ethical fashion. Yeah. Yeah, because that's more, amazing. more is not better. Less no, is better. Less is better. You buy less, but you buy quality and you keep it forever. That's right. that was the motto of the boutique was was you're buying things that are they're more locally made. And if they're not local, like if it is from Greece, like I had this amazing Greek line that nobody in the US had, but it was made in Greece. It wasn't right. like a Greek line made in, you know, Korea or something. But then, you know, I had an Italian brand that was made in Italy. I had a, you know, I had a French line that was made in France. So like my Canadian brand, which was my favorite, Smythe, they're, mm-hmm. it's made in Canada. Yeah. But mostly everything else was made in the U.S. And I did not want to have anything made in China in the store. And that was like the whole idea of the store so that people don't have to look at the tags. They already know it, that homework's been done for them. So, and I do think that it was a little bit of ahead of its time. Maybe if I was in a different neighborhood, like, you know, Los Feliz or Venice beach area where people that live like near Abbott Kinney, they would probably, you know, my store would be completely successful there. But in, in the neighborhood I was in, people are shopping on Revolve. They're shopping on, you know, Shopbop and they're spending their money on the websites because they're really getting big 
at that time and still are right now, but that's when they were success in shopping started online right when I opened my store. Yeah, right. <laughs> Unfortunately. I, yeah. And they were in the know. They were the people that were online shopping already. So Right. Unfortunately, the timing for my store was not right, but I do think from the customers and the clientele that I had and the way that they were sad that I was leaving the neighborhood, I realized I had something really special, right. but it just was I was done with it at that point. Yeah, but I, I have to move on to something so new. much. Yeah, I learned. Well, and I so do think much. you're ahead of the time. Yeah, agreed. I do. I think it's going to be different after COVID for sure. I'm seeing well, that more I, and more I even think here. Probably, the good thing is, is I paved the way and I made it easier for the next people because when I went to do my buying spree and I asked the manufacturers where it's made, a lot of times they would get offended in the beginning, but then they started caring too. So when I would go to them the next time when there was a shopping, you know, for season shopping, I would ask them where it's made and they would proudly say where it's made because they weren't embarrassed anymore. So I did affect a, a whole run of people that made it easier for the next person that wants to open a boutique in, you know, wherever in Los Angeles, Texas, you know, whatever, Philadelphia, somewhere in New York, when they go and meet these people, because these are the same people that do the rounds, when you go on a shopping spree, when it's shopping season, mm-hmm. fashion week, they sort of do the, the same designers and, and the reps. They, they do the rounds at different like cities, like the big cities. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. pretty much the same people. So they're meeting, right. they're meeting the buyers. All those people are meeting the buyers and they're hearing out what the buyers are asking for. So it does affect when you put your foot down and you, you ask for something, you will see a change if you do it and you, you know, you kind of stick to it. You so, stick to it. Yep. Yeah. So you saw change in that I area. Saw change. Yeah. Because that by the end of the shopping, like when I went to fashion week, the last few times, people were really proud. They'd be like, oh, and it's made in the USA. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. So now instead of like 5%, now I'm looking at 10, 15%. So that's actually a, you know, that's a plus because it is, it was really hard having a boutique like that because like people would tell me you should just, you should just have some things made in China or you should have just some things that aren't so ethical or sustainable. It's too hard. You're not going to make money. It's too expensive for you to buy things like that. You know, how are you going to make money? And I'm like, it's not about just the money. I have to feel good about what I'm selling. Like if I don't, Mm -hmm. if I'm not going to buy it for myself, why would I want my customer to buy that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We heard, we had, um, sorry to interrupt you. We had uh, the silver linings episode that you listened to with Emily, very similar comments from her Mm -hmm. around a mindfulness and intentfulness around where you put your money and where you put your money is where, you know, companies will grow and profit and uh, take up more space in in the marketplace, and you know where you don't. The hope is that those may, unethical companies would shrink shrink down, and and that really voting with your money is the best way to affect change in the market. And so, what I'm hearing from you, Goli, is just by raising awareness and make asking those important questions, it created a demand for clothes made in a certain location for all the right reasons. And, and, you know, that really should be a, something they're proud to share 
Uh, it sounds like it, it made some headway. So I, I love that because mm-hmm. there was, it's a big part of what I think both Holly and I have been thinking about as we're thinking about an LOA lifestyle is all the different ways in which you make choices and your everyday living that says a lot about who you are and right. what you want to see in the world. So I, I, I just absolutely love that you stood your ground. You weren't, feel, didn't feel comfortable providing to your clients and customers anything that you wouldn't be comfortable giving to a family member or even, you know, yourself. Right. So right. I love that. I absolutely love it. And I, I really loved in your last po- podcast when Emily talked about it's that when you're spending your dollars, giving it to a brand, it's like voting. That's yeah. a really yeah. analogy because that is, that is exactly what people are doing when they're paying somebody for something that is unethical, they're essentially telling them it's okay. Keep producing that. Yeah. They're reinforcing that. Mm -hmm. They're reinforcing it. And, and actually one of the best examples that I can make is the fur industry has suffered now so much. And, and actually I, I can't say they've suffered because they're still, they're still out there and they're still making lots of fur because of, I hate to name names, but it's it's pretty easy to name Kardashians and Jenners and and the people that actually make for popular. But but these days uh, in 2021, it's it's very unfashionable to wear another mm-hmm. you know another animal skin on our Absolutely. body. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. But like when when companies like Chanel and Gucci and you know all of the top brands that we we all know and and you know we love because aesthetically they know what's what. When they all say no more fur, but then there's still companies that stick to that fur. Well, they're the ones that we should we should not buy from anymore because right. they're they're essentially saying we know it's cruel. We understand that the trend now is not fur, and because it's cruel, but we still want to sell it. Right. And and people should not buy anything from them, and they shouldn't put their money somewhere where they're going to produce more cruelty and put it out into the world when there's already so much fur out there. There's so much vintage fur. If someone absolutely has to have fur, go and get a vintage fur. I mean, I, I personally wouldn't do it, but I think if that's what someone wants, I mean, there's so much beautiful faux furs out there exactly. right now. Exactly. You can't that's even so, tell the difference. Yeah, I don't even under, I don't even understand why you'd right. choose that. You I mean, I yeah. guess vintage, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah. It, you guys were talking about this before we were recorded and we were talking about the energy behind yeah. everything we do, whether it's eating, you know, and feeding your body. Goalie, you had talked about that so eloquently that, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's a mindfulness of eating properly and Mm -hmm. eating um, with intention and then dressing with intention and that, you know, you've walked lightly on the earth, cruelty free. Mm -hmm. And so you guys were talking so eloquently about that before the podcast, before we hit record, but it's worth saying right now, it's what you guys are talking about. It's the same thing. And you know, everything is a choice. And I love the part about voting too. Yeah. Goalie, so when when we look at a tag and we see it's been made in the United States, are we sure it's cruelty-free like that? I don't understand that. Can you explain that to me? Or d- is there more work that needs to be had there? No, absolutely not. I actually, I only brought that up because my journey in fashion started out by caring about the ethical part of fashion being 
that they're not made by children right. <laughs> and that there's like correct labor wages going on and the company is not suffocating their employees with 18 hour days. Right. But, but that journey happens from there. Unfortunately, I didn't go into the veganism until, you know, quite recently, five years ago is when I, when I really became a full fledged, like hardcore vegan. And I wish that I could say it was sooner. And I, I know every single vegan that I personally know says that they wish even if they've been vegan like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, they always say, I wish I was vegan sooner. Yeah, because yeah. You, once you, once you know things about the industries, you know, whether it's the food industry, the drug industry, or the fashion industry, or any of these industries, once you really get involved and you do your research and you know more and you know more and vegans help you really get gain more knowledge when they see that you're asking questions they give you so much knowledge once you know those things then you realize like you start over almost like you kind of look at everything in a very different new perspective and and that's what happened is the made in USA happened before i really went to okay okay it's not made by children okay now is it is it also made in a factory that pays wages, you know, the correct wages to their employees. Yeah. Are they are they using dyes and chemicals on these fabrics that are killing basically uh, this entire uh community because they're they're dyeing these, you know, denim jeans in in this same river that they're drinking the water. <laughs> because yeah. you'd be surprised like in India they have whole communities that are in the fashion industry making your clothes. They don't even have shoes. They're making clothes for us and they're getting cancer and their children are dying because they're drinking water from a water that is basically the runoff of the dyes goes into this water. Yeah. And they're That's like, crazy. they're dying and we're, but we're wearing the clothes their parents made essentially. So it's awful. I, yeah, I really, I, those are the things. And then, and then once the veganism happened food wise, of course, naturally I went toward, I was like, wait, okay. I, I already wasn't wearing fur, but I never thought, I never thought about leather. I thought if you're, if you're eating it, you're wearing it. Like, but wait a second, that's a, they kill that baby for me to wear those shoes. Like I, mm -hmm. how that's a little baby lamb, the one that I think is so adorable. When you start to connect the dots, yeah, it sounds disgusting to me. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, to me anyways, but I mean, I know that once it clicks for people, they find it disgusting too. But like, think about it. What if we were, we were, there was another type of species mm -hmm. that was a little bit smarter than us and, and stronger than us. And they wanted to wear our skin. That's how mm -hmm. I think of it. Like, what if they wanted to yeah, wear totally? This human, is a Hollywood movie. Infant. Okay. Like, what yes. if they want to wear human infant skin on their shoes? Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, just because we're stronger and we're more powerful, and we can, you know, we can communicate and we can bully these these innocent animals that 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 are it's their right to be here. It's not our right to take their life for a handbag or for a or leather jacket. I have no right to wear their skin. They need their skin to live. Right. So 
you know, it, it all kind of went hand in hand. So, so I started looking at everything completely in a new way. And it was really, really painful too, because then I started questioning everything I do and, and thinking, gosh, all these years I've been supporting these things that I do not believe in. If I had thought of it this way, I would never have done that, you know, but, mm. and it really, I got to say, I mean, I, I went through like three months of crying and sadness and like really, 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 it was hard, but I faced it and I researched and researched and I looked at all of the painful videos and I, I learned so much that from then on, I was like, that's it. I have to tell people if they want to hear it, I have to tell them what's happening. And yeah. they, and I know once they hear it and they understand and they click, like I click, if they click, if it actually switches that switch off in their brain, they will become vegan too. And then we can, we can make more vegans by explaining to other people that, look, you don't need that to survive. You don't need, you know, you don't need to wear that to survive. You don't need to eat that to survive. We are fine being humans. We are fine on a vegan diet. We are fine not wearing animals. We are fine not abusing and violating these lives and enslaving them so that we can have fashion or beauty. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. It's about nonviolence. So you don't want to eat it. You don't want to put it on your body. You don't want to put it on your skin because when you put it on your skin, your, your skin is your largest organ and it is basically um, absorbing, absorbing that sadness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. No, I totally agree with that. So what do people do goalie? Like, do they, um, like I normally, let's say I normally get my products from, I don't know, Bobby Brown. Okay. I go to, I don't know. I just made that up. Okay. But I go to some normal brand that I get at the normal mall at the normal place. And I've listened to your podcast and I want to, yeah. I want to start being some of the difference. Mm -hmm. What do I do? How do I go and research that? Are there websites that you can go to? How do I start making, start making a the difference? difference? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. What's our call to action? That's a really good question because it's, it's actually a pretty simple one. So we all have right. smartphones and we all have apps that we download and there is a really great app called cruelty cutter. There's also like several others that if you go to your app store and you put in cruelty free, there's all these apps that you can download and it'll tell you hundreds of hundreds of different beauty brands that are actually some are, some are quite popular and they're in Sephora, they're in Nordstrom, mm -hmm. you know, they're there. So if, if you're working with a beauty expert and you ask them that you want to be, you know, you want a cruelty free uh, brand, they will point you to the right direction. I've had so much great help from Sephora. They are terrific. Every time I go in there, they're like, oh, we'll show you this one. This is a great brand. And you know, and I look it up and, you know, yes, Fantastic. it's free and they'll never lie about it because they know that they cannot lie. They have to have transparency. When you ask for cruelty free, they will show you the cruelty free brands. And I've bought so many terrific products from Too Faced, from Tarte, from, mm -hmm. um, yep. from Bite, all of these amazing brands that have amazing, amazing beauty products or skincare or hair care, or what have you, anything that you want, you can find it cruelty free. It may not be the brand that you're used to, but all you have to do is try a few brands and then that'll be your new brand. Once you, once you feel comfortable with a brand that you try and, and it works right. for you, then, then there you go. It's, it's pretty easy actually. 
all, all I do is now I just go to the store and I, I just grab stuff because now I know which ones yeah. for me, which ones are cruelty free. And like, same goes with products for, you know, house cleaning. It's, it's kind of simple here. I don't know how it is um, right now in Washington, but here we have like Whole Foods and Bristol Farms are really good about carrying cruelty free, but all you have yeah. to do is turn the product around. And if it has the cruelty free bunny logo on it, yeah. then you know, it's cruelty free. It hasn't been tested on animals. And, and like I said, chances are, it's also probably not toxic. Right. So, but I think cruelty cutter also has house products. I can't remember which one it is. That okay, has I love that. Yeah, I love the app. app. That's, I know that's, that's fantastic. That is what fantastic. about like, um, so most people think they have to have leather shoes, real leather shoes. Yeah. What's the story with that goalie? Do you, how do you buy shoes? So I want to also mention again, I, I already mentioned it once, but I've been a fashion girl most of my life, probably mm-hmm. since I was a kid and, you know, collecting Vogue magazine since I was really little, always looking at what my mom's wearing and really cared about, you know, fashion. And there's, there's been times that I, I actually decided not to eat so I can buy a European fashion magazine <laughs> because they were like really expensive, like $10, $12 when I was a kid. <laughs> but I, I have to say like, it's been so much better year after year. These cruelty-free fashion brands are not only getting more savvy in in bringing out more styles, but there is a lot more brands are born every day now that are cruelty-free, that are making non-leather shoes that look like leather, feel like leather, and they actually last longer than leather, in my opinion, and Mm. they're more comfortable. And they're beautiful. And I will share a bunch of my favorite brands to you guys. I mean, you'd be surprised. Perfect. There's there's Italian, there's there's and there's American, there's French. Like you'd be surprised. There's so many amazing brands out there that Great. you can you can buy from and you can wear beautiful shoes that are not only gorgeous but comfortable and cruelty free. So yes, you can absolutely wear faux leather and be proud of it and get compliments on it. And you can proudly tell people and it's not leather. And then they'll be like, what, why, why, why would you care? I mean, leather, I mean, don't you just, isn't that just a byproduct of the food we eat? Well, (laughs) I don't want it to be a byproduct of the food we eat because (laughs) we don't need to do that when, you know, when it's not necessary. So I mean, well, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll add that to the show notes. And it's so funny goalie, because I have this brand that I love that they do vegan leather. So I always say vegan leather. And one of my friend's husbands called me for a, like, like, what should I get my wife for Christmas? This was the text I got. And I go, Oh, you should get her some vegan leather joggers. Okay. And he's like, what the hell is vegan leather? Okay. And I'm like, well, you know, like pleather. And he's like, oh, okay. Like he's in his fifties. Right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Are you sure she's going to like it? I go, she's going to love them. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, she loves them and tell. they're gorgeous yeah, they're and, and they're beautiful and they're more comfortable. They're more breathable. They're all these things that you just said. And, and you would never know they're no. not leather. And so like the thing is yeah. now is like all my coats are vegan leather. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? So anyway, so I love that. Yeah. I think 
thank you for being so kind with the, the community to share some of your favorites because I think that gives people a good jumping off s- yeah. start spot to just tr- take a look around and like you said, look at the quality of the work and it doesn't necessarily require leather right. to make it look like that. Right. So I think that's fantastic. Fantastic. Right. I love that. Is there anything else you think is super important for our listeners to know or to think about like a parting thought? So, so one thing I would say is if anyone's actually really interested, there is a whole lot of information that I'm going to give uh, to these wonderful, amazing ladies to give to your, their listeners. But besides that, if you just watch a few of these amazing documentaries that are out right yeah. now, and they're available mostly on Netflix and Amazon, they are eye-openers. I mean, I'm telling you, if you watch, if you watch Cowspiracy, What the Health, Dominion, Earthlings, those are just a few of the of the documentaries you can watch and you'll learn so much and it will change your perspective. And and sometimes you will probably look at it and think, oh, I wish I didn't know because now right. I look at yeah. everything differently. But actually that is part of growing is when you yes. know something and you feel liberated and you feel empowered because you know you have knowledge of something instead of just living your life through a fog and not knowing and thinking that you know. But then when you finally know, yes, you question everything. And, and sometimes right. you even get mad yes. at your, your parents and you think, why didn't they tell me? And then, <laughs> and then but they, they didn't, didn't know. That. Maybe they they, didn't I, know. yeah, I just it's a I it's mean, a it's a systematic it yes, is uh lack of understanding. Systematic. Yeah. It's from it's mm-hmm. it it's carried from generation to generation, it's actually, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's actually fed to us because it is about money at the end of the day. It's Industry. About- yep. I totally yep. agree now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, goalie, it was fascinating. I'm going to go watch some documentaries. And, and we'll I'm put in- them all in the show oh, notes. Oh, for sure. We'll show do it all notes. in the show notes. Yes. And she's going to provide us with some of her favorite brands in the show notes. For yes. sure. And- and we cannot thank you enough. Thank it was you for sitting pleasure. in your car <laughs> talking to us. It was not only my pleasure, but it was so much fun talking to you. You know what? Passion is is never something anyone can ignore. So yeah. passion and truth. Mm-hmm. For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, I can see that you two both have passion and truth. And I'm really happy to speak to you. Thank you so mm. much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank goal. you, goalie. Oh, next time we'll do this in California. There we go. <laughs> yeah, for the next time, you guys, you guys, maybe you'll be brave enough to let me talk about food. Oh, I love that. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> we'll do a whole food episode. Yes, I'm going to watch some documentaries first, so I'm prepared. <laughs> so I don't faint on you. <laughs> All, right, All right. Thanks, sweetie. goalie. Thank Bye. you so much. Thanks. Thank you. you All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining our VIP conversation. And please visit us at our website, www.loauncorked.com. See you soon. Bye.